Welcome to the Stockman Grass Farmer Podcast, where our mission is to help create a healthy planet and people through profitable grass-based livestock production. Grass farming is a 24-7 job and you can't always get away, so we've put together this podcast so that you can listen while you work or whatever you're doing, but always on your schedule, whenever and wherever you want. Be sure to check out the episode notes for links to freebies and special offers. Join our email family and stay up to date on our happenings and like us on social media. This is part two of the multi-species grazing school. Greg Studi discusses the pros and cons of multi-species grazing. We were moving cattle one morning and there was a bunch of big kudu bucks that came through. Ian, when he moves his cattle, he always brings a 30-06 with a silencer on it. I'm like, what's that silencer? I can get arrested in the United States for carrying that around. He said, this is Africa. And I said, what's the silencer on there for? He said, so I can shoot more than one. <laughs> they, don't, they don't hear the shot and you, know, you can shoot as many as you want. And he sells kudu. He sells the meat. They, uh, they can sell wild game right off the ranch. I'm like, man, you guys just don't have any rules over there, do you? He goes, nope. He said, we have laws, but nobody follows them. And so you just, it's kind of, that's the way it is. But he talks about, you know, if you're going to manage your farm and you attract these other species to come on there, in our area, it's deer and turkey. Those are the two big ones. Can you sell that? Yes, you can. Now, you can't sell the animal. You can't sell the animal, but you can sell a, a chance to pursue that animal. You know, we're getting $1,800 a year for a gun. So if you come into our farm, it's $1,800. You can pursue a deer or you can pursue a turkey. That's $1,800 that we wouldn't have got if we hadn't sold that hunt. We like stuff that can feed itself. So I don't want to be supplementing these animals. I don't want to give my money to the uh, grain guys. I mean, they have more mark. They, they can go make biodiesel with it or whatever. I don't want to be buying their corn. Uh, I want animals that can make it with what grows on our farm. And folks, they need to be fertile. We're going to talk, I've got a whole section on how it's grass genetics. We're going to be talking about that. And you got to be willing to call animals. There's that kudu. So that's what Ian sells in Africa. Now, to pursue that on his ranch, he gets $10,000 to shoot one of those. Well, my goodness, if you get a harvest, eight or 10 of those a year, that's getting up there equal in your calf crop, you know? Um, so items to think about, we've got to have fence. Fence is number one. So those of you all new, just getting into livestock, folks, don't bring livestock onto your farm till you get fence. We sell a lot of cattle to a lot of people. And this year, and a lot of sheep. Uh, we had a couple wrecks newbies getting started and um, the uh, cattle were dropped off at their farm and they had polywire up. That was it. Polywire is not a fence. It's not a permanent fence. It's great for moving cattle, but you can't bring animals onto your farm if all you've got is polywire for your perimeter. You've got to have a fixed fence. And that can either be uh, multiple strands of high tensile, which is what we use, five to six strands, high tensile wire, electrified, 170,000 PSI. Don't use aluminum wire. 
170,000 PSI steel wire, not aluminum. Deer hit aluminum wire or a cow hits aluminum wire, it's busted, they're gone. Tree falls on it, it's broke. High tensile, it just takes it to the ground. It'll pop right back up. Now, I will give you this, aluminum is more conductive, but it has no brake strength at all. It just breaks, so I'm not gonna use aluminum. Um, yeah, so uh, make sure you have a good fence. Water, most people overbuild on water. We're gonna, I've got a whole section on water we're gonna talk about. To graze year-round, you must manage the forage. Sunlight collecting business, that's what we're in. We're in the sunlight collecting business. Don't forget that. You gotta be able to collect it, and you can't collect it if you don't have any leaves. And if you're not managing that leaf height, you're not gonna be able to collect very much solar energy. You're not gonna make any money. But you gotta have fence. I asked Ian once, I said, what's the most profitable thing that you can invest in on your farm? You know what his answer was? Fence, not water, fence. Now you do have to have some water, but cattle can walk. But he said, fence, fence gives you control where they're at. And if you can't control where those animals are at on your farm, you're not going to have any kind of rotation at all. They're going to be rotating all right freely across your farm. <laughs> and now you're out of business. You might as well just sell them because they're going to eat your farm off. It's going to look like this carpet. And they'll do it. It may take them a while, but they will do it. So there's solar energy harvesters. We had a guy come by. He saw those cows on that. And there's only about two acres there. And there was about 400 head in there. Oh gosh, it made him mad. He looked at that, he said, you're stressing those cows. I'm like, really? They looked pretty stressed. <laughs> everything was eaten, everything had a big old gut on, slick hair coats on them. He said, what you're doing there is wrong. He said, you need to take up that wire and give them the whole farm. The animals do better, the ground will do better, and you'll do better. <laughs> That's what he told me. And he did it with a serious face. And as he drove off, he had a big round bale stuck on the back of his truck. <laughs> and this was in July. He was already feeding hay. He was peeved. Yeah. So that's what you got to be willing to take. You know, he was trying to intimidate me. And he was an older guy, kind of high in the community. Everybody thought a lot of him. And he was a bully. You know, I didn't take it. I just said, well, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And I said, they're not stressed. I said, this is the second time today they've been moved. And he's like, well, it ain't right. I'm like, okay. So you can't change everybody. You gotta, you gotta have that secure perimeter fence. Paddock divisions. Um, I'm real big about not putting those in on a new farm immediately, not permanent paddock divisions. If it's, now, granted, if you've got uh, a huge farm, a thousand acres, you can't go out to a polywire and go all the way across that and rotate them conveniently. You're gonna need to split that up a little bit with some high tensile paddock divisions, with some water points to do it effectively. Because if you have to roll up three or four rolls of wire every day to go across that farm, you're, you're gonna quit. You're not gonna do that. It's gonna be too much work. Um, but that's where the portable fencing comes in. It is very economical. And, if, and we're gonna talk about the tools, the right tools to use. Folks, this is, this is one that people really get hung up on. I did a consult in um, Iowa. 
about three months ago. And this guy, he only had two little herds. He had like 20 cows and he'd taken the calves off. He had like 20 calves. And it somehow he got in his mind reels and he, he had this great big roll of, uh, I think it was poly tape. And it was on this thing that looked like it belonged on a highway construction. It must have weighed 150 pounds. He had two of them, one for the stalkers and one, and he's after packing. He said, it takes me three hours to move them cows. And he didn't have any permanent wire up anywhere. It was a wreck. And he wasn't moving the cows very fast because it was so much work. He had them in way too tight, covered in flies, laying in manure and mud. And he, he'd only grazed 20% of his farm for the whole year. He hadn't even made one rotation yet. That's an... Anyway, life is good for him again. He's got the right tools, and he's like, oh. he said, I can't believe how dumb I was. And this was a guy that was very successful in another business, and he came back to the farm, and he thought he'd be successful in the farm because he's successful in his town job. He, he didn't have the right tools. He just didn't know any better. It wasn't that he was dumb. He just didn't know. He just didn't know. Um, there's the pigs as they get bigger. Uh, we, we were running those with one wire. And then those pigs are up there about 120, probably 130 pounds right there. But when they're little guys, we got a whole, I've got a talk on that, how we break them. So it's more, more products to offer your customers. Uh, you got multiple marketing streams of product coming in and it spreads your marketing costs over more products. Each product brings a different customer in. So I was on, uh, well, like, you know, Joel Salton, we were there three weeks ago. We did the Stockman Grass Farmer School up there. You know, Joel said, we don't make a lot of money on our eggs. He said, but it brings the customers to the farm. And that's what we found when we had chickens on our farms. They didn't make a lot of money with them, but they were able to bring a lot more pork customers in to buy the passion pork that they were buying. So, and the chickens, you know, they add a lot of fertility and they scratch a lot of manure. Um, yeah, so fill the cooler with one trip. There was a guy in Florida, uh, Dennis, Dennis Stoltz Foods. He's up by uh, Clearwater, Florida. He's running an all-grass dairy. And uh, he was milking, at that time, about 20, I think he had about 28 Jersey cows. And he's doing once-a-day milking. He just milked them once a day in the morning. That was it. No grain. And those cows are broke to come up and stand on a rubber mat and he had a little two by four he put behind their head to keep them in the stanchion. And he had a little surge milker right in the middle that went to two cows. So he milked two at a time. And uh, he was selling raw milk as pet food because he couldn't sell raw milk in Florida at that time. I don't know if the laws may change now, but at that time he couldn't sell it. Same. Same. So he had to put a little sticker on every gallon pet food. And he was selling that stuff for $17 a gallon. And he couldn't, he, he just couldn't produce enough. And then he was selling yogurt, uh, pastured pork, he had the chickens, he had the broilers. I mean, he was, he, there's people come there for Orlando with coolers. I've never seen coolers that big before. And what they were doing, they'd just fill that cooler. And I saw some of the checks those guys wrote out to him. And I mean, he was getting, some of those guys were walking away with $2,500 worth of meat milk and cheese and they were just so happy now they were bringing it back to orlando and giving it you know selling it out to in other words a bunch of them went together and one guy picked it up but 
Dennis was just really doing doing well at that time. I think that he's expanded now. He's he's gotten more ground. He's gotten into more beef now too, I think. Hope you're enjoying the presentation and we'll jump right back in, but I wanted to first remind you to visit the show notes for freebies, deals, and more. While you're there, don't forget to join our email family to stay up to date on all the current events. Now back to the show. So additional species, they must be managed. You can't simply throw them all together and expect success. It will be a wreck. Um, each species must have what they need. So with pigs, if you're gonna throw pigs in with the cattle and there's no shade out there, that's not gonna work very well. They're gonna suffer in July and August. Hey, it's hot and a pig's gotta have some kind of shade because they don't sweat and uh, they can actually die on a really hot summer day in Missouri. They would not do well. They may not die, but they're not gonna put any weight on. Um, so you know, if you look at nature, uh, and that's what we like to do. We like to try to mimic what nature is doing. And so the more species is, is, is always a good thing. Um, that was in uh, Kruger Park. There was baboons and impalas. And that's just the two that I got right there. There was elephants in there. There was kudu. Um, there was, uh, we saw some hyenas right down the road from there. There's lion, there's leopards, there's the predators. And when you go through Kruger, they're all in groups. These, these are animals that are being preyed on and they're all together and they're all alarm systems. You know, and there's birds up in the trees and everything's watching those leopards and those lions. Um, if you, Africa's kind of a mess now, but it, if it ever gets cleared up again over there and you have a chance and you go to South Africa, go to Kruger Park. It's the only park left in the world that is natural far as, I mean, there's huge herds, huge herds of buffalo and elephant and the Cape, the Cape Buffalo. Um, just, I've never seen so many animals in my life. It's crazy. It's a site and it's 250 square miles. It's a huge park. Um, healthier ecosystem, well-managed multi-species operation. Everything is thriving. So you have, the, you have the domestic animals, you've got the wildlife, the soil, the plants, the water, and you have fish. That's all in your operation. So if you've got a pond, don't think of it as just a livestock pond. Maybe that's your goal that you built it, but you should also be thinking about fish. Um, stock the darn thing. Maybe you can sell those fish. Fishing days, people come out, fish you need to charge them folks you got to charge people you can't let people come onto your farm for free and not charge them they don't appreciate it and alan nation was big on that he always said you know people appreciate it when you have to they have to pay a little bit out of their pocket they're going to pay attention more a really good example that is go to a and i'm not i'm not picking on nrcs but if you go to one of the, the state sponsored grazing schools where you just pay for, you don't have to pay any of it, maybe 15 bucks. And they, they provide you a meal. You go out there and look in that audience when you're giving a talk. 20% of the people are asleep. They didn't cost them anything, they just came for the meal. And so they're not paying attention, nobody's taking notes. But when you have to pay a little something, you wanna get, get your money value out of that. And 
I think that's a good thing. So uh, that's why we sell. You know, we've got people that are mad at us because we do custom hunting. We have we lease out hunting rights. You don't have a right to do that. You don't own those animals. Those are the state's animals. And I'm like, no, they're on my farm. We manage that farm so we have better ones than you do. I'm going to sell a right to purchase that animal or to pursue that animal. The same way with fish. So uh, some of y'all may have saw the, the video that I posted the other day of the cows in the pond. Any of y'all see that one? That was just heartbreaking. Big, big pond. These cows just destroyed it. Just destroyed it. And it's going to cost the lady 25000 to fix that pond. So not only does it make good sense to keep the cattle out, it also costs you a lot of money to fix it. And now there's poop and pee, and those cows were just covered in flies. The calves looked bad. They all had rough hair coats on them. Just not a healthy environment. I like to see a cow put her head down in the water and drink. And if they're licking at the water, folks, you got an issue. If they're licking at that water, not good. So moving the rams, uh, smaller animals are much easier to handle. So if you've got young kids and you're just starting out and you want to get into ruminants and you've got a small acreage, sheep. Sheep are a lot more suited than cattle for small acreages. Because if you've got, let's say, let's just say you've got five acres. How many cows can you run on five acres? Well, it depends. In Missouri, you could run maybe one cow-calf pair, but you could run 10 to 12 sheep on that same five acres and do pretty well. So you can run more of them. They're a whole lot more friendly for young people. They're not going to hurt you. You can pick them up. You can't pick up a you know, 400-pound calf, but you can pick up a 40, 60-pound lamb. They require less forage during drought. So when we get into droughts in Missouri, the sheep always just shine. They're such a low maintenance animal. Um, and goats would be in that category. The problem with goats is just when they get short on forage and if you're not moving them correctly, they will look for another place to eat. And usually it's on your neighbors. <laughs> and the old adage, good, good fences make good neighbors. Well, we had good fences and they still went visiting. And I didn't have good neighbors. All of a sudden, I wasn't a good neighbor. I had neighbors that were mad at me. So I missed the ghosts, but that's the reason we got rid of them. I just couldn't keep them home. Uh, they were characters, a little bit like the, sh the, the pigs. They got a, a ghost just got a different personality. Um, you may want to you know, lighten up on your cow numbers when you get into droughts. Uh, sheep and goats and chickens are much easier to manage through droughts than cattle. Chickens, you know, you're, you're bringing in feed. And same way with the pigs. So even if there's nothing growing, you can still keep that going. But you do have to buy the feed. Uh, I think this is the biggest mistake people make right there. When they get in a drought, they hunker down and they don't manage their pastures. Oh, it'll rain next week. I'm not selling anything because if I do, I'm not going to get anything for it. Uh, the next week gets there. You haven't had a rain. Yeah, it'll rain next week. No, you got to manage for what you know. You know how much feed you have in front of you. You know how many animals you got. You know the grass isn't regrowing behind you. You've been measuring it. You better sell off some animals. And that first cut needs to be 20%. You need to sell off 20% of your animals. When the grass is not growing back, 
Go back in 30 days and look where you were at. And if that grass hasn't grown back any, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. Because you're going to be back around there, let's say, in another 30, 40 days, and it still hasn't regrown. Oh, man. Now you're, you're looking at a golf course. And the worst thing about droughts is when you overgraze during a drought, it takes a full year to get back to normal sometimes, maybe longer. It depends how, how much you chewed it off. In Albuquerque, I was out there, and those guys out there, when they get in, they're always in a drought, but there's parts around New Mexico there, they only get to graze that farm once every three years. Now, that's a rest period. <laughs> once every three years. It takes that long to grow something. And if they come back sooner than that, that's overgrazing. They'll have a desert. So, while we're talking about that, if you're going to set up a grazing operation and you, you haven't planted roots anywhere, go someplace where it rains. Don't go to Colorado or Utah or New Mexico or Arizona. There's no rain out there. How are you going to grow grass if you don't get rain? You got to irrigate? Uh-uh. You can't irrigate and make money. And Ian goes as far as saying, if you build a, an operation around irrigation, in other words, your whole livelihood is built on irrigating, irrigating, irrigating. Sooner or later, the townspeople are going to come and say, you can't do that anymore. That's our water. You can't be using drinking water to, to grow cattle feed. You can't do it. So be careful. Where do you set up at? Go someplace that it rains. So that was the worst drought in Missouri history. That was 2012. Folks, this was about, uh, well, it was after Jan and I came back from New Zealand. So that would have been about July, middle of July, end of July. I mean, this is when people were selling cattle in Missouri. But I already sold off around 25% in June. The last of June, I knew we were in a drought. Terrible, terrible droughty conditions. And so we sold off, we kept the best animals, and we just glided right through that drought. Hurricane Isaac came in that fall, came up through Louisiana, and gave us nine inches of rain in nine days. Nine inches. And because we hadn't overgrazed our farm, we grew a ton of grass. But the neighbors, it all ran off. It all ran off in the creek. They didn't have anything to hold the rain. Okay, so try and keep the rain on your land. The only way you can do that is you've got to have it covered with carbon. You've got to have it covered with carbon. Something organic. There's what bare ground would do to you. So that was on the same day, right across the fence. This is my neighbor's continuous grazer. Uh, he uses the Columbus method. You know, he, he turns his cattle out in the spring and he discovers them in the fall. And so... The, there's just, there's just nothing there. And uh, I put that thermometer, it's 105 degrees. And over here in our grass, under, on the soil, I just set it down on the soil. I didn't stick it down in the soil. I set it on top of the ground, it's 90. That's right across the fence. He's 15 degrees hotter than my side of the fence. All I did differently is I've got carbon. I've got a nice litter bank. Folks, this is what a litter bank looks like right there. You like to see that. You like to have that dead material laying on top of your soil. It's like a big mulch. So when it does get a deluge of rain, like we got yesterday, Jan said it rained so hard, it didn't go very long. She said, but we got a half an inch and like 
eight minutes. I mean, it just pounded them. And I said, did you get any runoff? She goes, no, none. There was no water moving off that land. It just grabbed it. So if it grabs it and holds it in place, you're going to grow grass. If it runs off to the creek, you didn't grow nothing. You might as well not even got the half inch. So try and keep every drop of rain on your farm. Don't give it to your neighbor. Absolutely don't do that. I hope you enjoyed this presentation. Well, check out the episode notes. And always remember the advice from cows and be outstanding in your field. See you next time.